0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Three. We're reacting to week 10 of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's
2: up, Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Ten weeks of the season are behind us. We are coming off. I have to bring it up. We're coming off an interesting game, Curtis, between Cleveland and New England. Uh, the Patriots just absolutely <laughs> laying uh. it on to the Browns. Have you recovered?
3: Browns are totally broken, man. Um, I think all the people who thought it was Odell's fault and all the people who thought it was Baker's fault, like it's a Venn diagram of two totally separate circles, but also everyone was right in both circles. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, I, I, I don't really know. Like the Browns can run the ball well. That's basically all we know is that Miles Garrett will continue to rack up sacks and the team will continue to be able to run in any game they play. But man, if for a Patriots fan like yourself, gotta feel be feeling pretty great about Mac Jones. I mean, I'm sure we can get into this uh and we we talked a lot of rookie quarterback um action and uh performance here to date last week, but Mac Jones I mean, he's pacing to challenge Dak Prescott for the rookie uh, completion percentage record. I mean, he's looking like he definitely belongs. He's only scrambled. I, I saw like famously like seven times all year. Um, he's just getting rid of the ball knows where the guys are supposed to be. And he's turning in journeymen like Kendrick Bourne into fantasy superstar. So yeah, that, that was a fun game uh, for, for the Patriots. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of positive, uh, outcomes so far for Jones. Feels like he and the team are getting better every week that passes. So as a Patriots fan, I'm pretty excited. And I think that uh, we're going to start to see some more fantasy relevant production, as we talked about recently down the road for this team. Hunter Henry's been crushing it. Uh, So I am excited there,
3: but we need
1: to find out who the player of the week is, Curtis
3: are so many worthy players this week. Uh, Some fantasy explosions from superstars. It's a three-way tie though. It's a three-way tie for running backs who have justified the zero RB strategy in 2021. We had Daryl Williams, Ramondre Stevenson and AJ Dillon all scoring more than 26 PPR this week, looking like total bell cows in their offenses. Daryl Williams, 11 carries for 43 yards, but the big storyline there, nine receptions for 101 yards and a receiving touchdown, uh, basically doing all the things that Clyde Edwards, Elaire drafters had, you know, been secretly hoping he would do Ramondre C- Stevenson, man. I, I mean, Damian Harrison or Damian Harris was out, but geez, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the rushing attack, moving forward, 20 carries, hundred yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then uh, caught four balls for 14 yards. Not really doing a lot there, but Hey, we get the the 5.4 points receiving. And then AJ Dillon, the big storyline here um, with him, and maybe he could rack up another player of the week performance in week 11 because Aaron Jones is probably going to miss anywhere from one to three weeks with an MCL sprain. AJ Dillon made quick work uh, of, uh, you know, uh, not quick work, but I guess he sees the role 21 carries 66 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns and uh, 62 receiving yards on just two receptions. So exciting stuff from later round running back targets and waiver wire fodder. Dave, who was your snoozer? Oh boy.
1: This one has to go to TJ Hawkinson who I actually had to Mm. go back And verify because I cannot say that I watched the entire Pittsburgh uh, Detroit game had to go back and verify that Hawkinson didn't get hurt, that he actually was on the field and available one target, zero receptions, a huge disappointment. You know, perhaps I could have gone somewhere else there this week, but that was one that uh, really caught my eye. So TJ Hawkinson, the snoozer of the week. But that brings us into our game notes section, and I'm actually going to start right over or stay in Detroit, if you will. And that's because this performance had me thinking that perhaps things have been a little bit bleaker for Hawkinson than they may have. Sometimes, you know, you have that visceral reaction to a bad performance. I'm not somebody that has Hawkinson on too many teams, but I can imagine if he was on one of your main teams, you might be panicking. So wanted to take a little bit of a look at Hawkinson here. In 66% of his games through the first uh, eight games, Detroit had a week nine bye. He was a a, a tight end one. He is coming off a solid stretch. He'd put up over 15 against Cincinnati, um, 11 against the Rams, and then a big day, 19 against the Eagles. Also, heading into week 10, he was the tight end four and expected points per game. And then even with the bye week, last week was tight end 14 across the The last four games only playing three where other players had played four. So it's not quite as as bad as that performance might make you think, especially when you couple in how poorly Jared Goff has looked. The fact that this team looks like it might be fighting to record a win the rest of the season. But Hawkinson has been, um, you know, pretty well targeted. A couple of down games here and there, but more or less on the season has been at that eight and above range. Eleven targets. Week one, nine, week two, went down to two, eight, three. Then he's been at 11, nine, and 11. Of course, this one target game brings him down, but I'm more inclined to say that's probably a bit of a fluke. I can understand if you're a little bit shaken by this performance, but there, to me at this point, isn't enough signal that Hawkinson is going to be, you know, a, a non-factor for fantasy the rest of the season. But on an exciting note, DeAndre Swiftman just continues To pile things up, 33 rushing attempts over the weekend for 130 yards, also added six targets, three receptions, 25 yards. He's now top 10, or excuse me, top 12 in rushing attempts, leads all other running backs and targets by a total of seven. His lowest point game of the year has been 8.9 fantasy points, and it's just been one hell of an impressive campaign, Curtis, for DeAndre Swift.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Swift definitely has played out exactly what uh, Sean Siegel had hypothesized would be the case. You know I'm thinking back fondly of some of our debates from our high stakes draft, uh, our couple of high stakes drafts with you and I and Blair and Sean before the season. And, and this was the thought. this was the thought is that the, the Lions would stink and Swift would, you know, really corral you know, a high target share. And, you know, continue to take more of the rushing opportunities as the season went on. And I mean, it's really played out like that, despite the the Lions maybe even being more putrid than any of us would have thought, you know, they would have been. Um, so yeah, a huge, huge victory for, uh, for team Rotoviz and the draft approach there on Swift.
1: Yeah, for sure. And thankfully everybody was able to get me more on board with Swift than I
3: was. <laughs> I, 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 we were in the same camp there, Dave. Yeah. I, I was not feeling great. Uh, I was not feeling great, but that, that's why it's great to have, you know, a, a fantasy team of drafters. Absolutely. All right. What do you have for us, uh, over in the AFC? Listen. Let's go back. Let's go back to a team that we haven't talked about in the better part of a month, maybe maybe a month and a half. Let's go up to Buffalo. Buffalo has a totally get healthy performance um, this weekend. Just uh, just absolutely um, annihilating the Jets, and uh, it was a get well game for Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, thirteen targets, eight receptions, a staggering, a very staggering, two hundred eight air yards. And 162 receiving yards and a touchdown. So this is the type of performance, a classic digs performance that we grew accustomed to in, in 2020. And he, and he finally gets it. They didn't really need it from him. Um, But it's nice that, you know, they seem to be trying to prove a point, maybe keep him happy in his role. You know, Diggs has been a little bit uh, emotionally fragile uh, over the course of his career. And, you know, despite the Bills being competitive this season, you know, you need your alpha uh, to be there for you, you know, mentally and emotionally. And so, you know, he really just did all the damage for the Bills. No other uh, wide receiver or tight end had more than three targets. Um, and so it's just all funneled his way. You you love to see it. Josh Allen also um, looking pretty solid there. Uh, basically the number two uh, AFC quarterback for fantasy purposes in terms of uh, his right arm there. Anyway, um, uh, some interesting notes. You know, Gabriel Davis outperforming um, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley here. Three receptions for 105 yards. Um, you know, Davis somebody that we've mentioned a number of times as a fantasy stash. So kind of keep your eye. On, on that, I think it's probably more of a function of some of the depth of the receiving chart, getting more run uh, as that game went on. But let's keep an eye on that. Gabe Davis has flashed in the past. And then your boy, Dawson Knox, returning to the lineup. Um, and so that gives the Bills that extra that extra weapon moving forward. Um, you know, for Diggs managers though, Dave, uh, this could be the beginning of, you know, maybe like a three-week hot streak. Buffalo, going over to our Strength of Schedule streaming app, Buffalo actually has the best uh, wide receiver fantasy schedule of any team in the NFL in weeks 11 and 12. Uh, they they face the Colts in week 11, followed by the Saints in week 12. Um, this could be really like a corridor of the season where Diggs just really stacks up the production.
1: Well, I mean, the team certainly looks great when they use Diggs the way that he should be used, leverage him a lot. Exciting to see him record one of those classic Diggs type of performances. It's great to hear that the schedule sets, sets up nicely and uh, hopefully we get to see that continue. I also wanted to highlight a team that we haven't talked about in a while and this team came out fighting yesterday, Dallas laying the smackdown on the Falcons, beating them down 43 to three Ezekiel Elliott, two touchdowns <laughs> in that game. I mean, they, they slaughtered them, um, In the team's last three games, I want to take a quick look at the breakdown of that backfield distribution. Um, Elliott, 40 rushing attempts, Pollard, 22, 149, or excuse me, 142 yards for Elliott, 79 for Pollard. Uh, Neither player extremely efficient, both around that 3.5 yards per attempt um, rate, 12 targets for Elliott, 10 for Pollard. Uh, putting them at target shares in the offense 10 and for Elliott, 8.8 for Pollard. So we were hoping at points that we'd get to see more Tony Pollard, get to see him step up. That has not come to fruition yet. In fact, Pollard has been a, a uh, RB three or worse every week, except for week two of the season. In contrast, Elliott has been an RB1 three weeks, RB2 three weeks. And heading into this week, he was ninth in expected points per game at the running back position. Pollard was running back 54. Um, so I'm actually going to stop there before we kind of focus on the receivers, because I think this is a question that's on a lot of people's minds. Is at this point in the year, what do you do with a player like Pollard? Does he still have the upside that we might have thought heading into the season just via the nature of being a backup for a guy like Zeke? And we're kind of thinking about this from a redraft perspective, right? So, like, does he have that much utility right now? Or should you be if you're in a league where you can only roster a small number of players, is he the type of guy that you move off of if you need some production in the immediate time, like in in the moment, if you will, in the present
3: I just don't think you can. I there's you know even in a shallow roster league there's got to be somebody else on your squad. I mean it, you better be rid of your backup quarterback, your backup tight end um and I mean you're you know I I would rather dra- uh, dump receiver depth uh, than Pollard at this point, like he is not, he hasn't really become the one B in the offense that it looked like he might be. Um, you know, in the later stages of 2020, and even at the beginning of this season, through the first couple of weeks, and you know, so that's a little bit disappointing. You know, he's not having that standalone. Uh, he he's like something more than Alexander Madison, uh, but something less than AJ Dylan so far, right? I mean, it's yeah. like you know, he does just enough to. To show that the team the team is scheming some touches for him every week, which that's a positive. But he's still, I mean, he's the backup 101 amongst all running backs, right? Just as a function of the offense that he's in and what he's done when he's been the solo guy. And so I, I just can't imagine I can't imagine kicking him to the curb. Like if if you're in absolute desperation mode, and you're in scr- redraft, and you're scrambling for playoff position. I would think you could at least try to float them to the Zeke owner, um, who who may want to handcuff, and maybe you can pry some more usable depth from that owner's bench. Um, I can't imagine ever cutting a player, you know, with, with Pollard's upside.
1: Yeah, and um, I, I'm in agreement with that. And I actually was prompted to ask this because it, I received a question that kind of had. Um, the similar specifics to the question that I just posed to you. And that was my reaction as well, that there, you got to try to do it somewhere else. And that often the players that you might have that you think are going to give you a little bit of depth in the like next two to three weeks, aren't going to make that outsized difference for your team, really push you over the edge that you might have if things break right for Pollard, uh, heading back in though, to looking at the team's offense, um, over the last three games, CD Lamb at 25 targets, Amari Cooper at 22, Dalton Schultz at 14. Michael Gallup in his first game back, though, saw five. So it will be interesting to see how things shift to this point in the year. Uh, Cooper has the highest racer on the team, followed by Lamb. In terms of Whopper, uh, Lamb is leading the team. Air yard share 33% for Lamb, tw- uh, 26.4 for Cooper. Schultz is at 12.1. And then target share lamb is around 22, 19 for Cooper Gallup. Um, I, I expect we'll crawl his way back up that listing. I think he'll probably land maybe somewhere around 13, 14 over the next couple of weeks. And from a, um, a point basis, uh, in those three games, lamb at 52 Cooper at 41 And, uh, Cedric Wilson, actually at 23.6, Malik Turner at 22 Dalton Schultz at 14.9. I just threw a lot of numbers out there, but really what I'm getting at is that we're starting to see some positive performances from this offense overall throughout the air. I think that Michael Gallup coming back will continue to allow this offense to be pretty stellar. So should be exciting to see what we get the cow from the Cowboys throughout the rest of the season. Why don't we move back over to the AFC though?
3: Yeah, let's, let's head to a really exciting spot. Um, another team that we haven't talked a lot about, but one of the true fantasy superstars of the 2021 season. Um, and I think by the end of the year, maybe, you know, the most valuable player, uh, non, non quarterback in dynasty perhaps. Um, and that's Jonathan Taylor just continues to slay, um, dating back over the last three weeks, you know, the Colts have really, um, consolidated the backfield, work uh, Taylor's direction. So um, since week eight, he's out carried Naeem Hines, 56 to nine, uh, he, uh, 350 at rushing yards to just 88 for Hines, um, four rushing touchdowns to Hines's single touchdown. And then they're pacing just about the same in the receiving game, which was, you know, where even when Taylor was getting the rushing work, um, in games, you know, last season or earlier this season, Hines was still, um, getting a little bit more work, uh, in the passing game, but 14 to 15 is the target count for Taylor versus Hines for the last three weeks. Taylor actually, uh, catching 11 balls to Hines's 10 and has more receiving yards, 90 to 73. Um, over that period, it's 79.8 to 32.1 PPR. You know, Taylor with Derrick Henry going down with Christian McCaffrey um being you know unavailable for most of the season until recently um you know he's now tied for the league lead in rushing this has really been a season where taylor has kind of embraced that or achieved that stardom that uh, so many of us believed he would achieve in his in his young career so um you know looking forward one of the big worries in drafting taylor at the beginning of the season was that deadly week 14 bye Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when you started a little bit slow, the worry is, all right, like, you know, will I even get to a point where I can survive that by, you know, there's fantasy leagues are gonna have all different types of formats with this being the first 18 week, uh, season, uh, with 17 games, you know, your league is probably running, uh, through week 17 now, instead of week 18. Or instead of week uh, sixteen in years past, and uh, but in deeper leagues with fourteen or more teams, or in formats you know maybe where more teams make the playoffs, or in like mega redraft tournaments like the Scott Fishbowl. I mean, week fourteen just carries a lot of importance. Uh, could potentially even be the first week of the playoffs, or it's that pivotal like gotta win and you're in situation. The good news is Taylor keeps balling like this. You're going to be in the playoffs. That buy is not going to matter. And then you get the week 15 through 17 uh, situation for uh, him and the Colts. He gets New England, Arizona, Las Vegas. Um, New England and Las Vegas should both be games where, you know, the Colts can hang. The worry would be, you know, that Arizona game may be getting wide open. But if Taylor continues to get, um, half of that receiving work moving forward, he's really not going to get scripted out of anything. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me This Taylor almost seems matchup proof for a Colts team that is in, in or around most games anyway. Um, so, you know, th- throw the absolute bank at him um, and dynasty. And then in redraft, if if a window has opened and you have a chance for one of these two for one deals and the Taylor manager is struggling um, and needs those starting lineup points at multiple positions. Now could be the time to pounce.
1: Well, it's been awesome to see this team start to realize what they have in Jonathan Taylor and use him the way that he should be used. So, from a redraft perspective, looks like a slam dunk. The rest of this season, heading into next year, he should you know be firmly right at the top of, uh, you know, maybe not the RB one, but I think there's going to be a definitive case that you can make for him being the RB one heading into next season. So we will talk about that more, but very, very excited about Jonathan Taylor. The final team that I wanted to highlight was the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and in particular, the wide receiver situation there through the first six games, we saw KJ Osborne play a pretty decent uh, role in this offense, was averaging more than 10 points per game, Um, actually saw 35 targets through the team's first six games, had 311 receiving yards in those games and two receiving touchdowns on 26 receptions. Since then, we have seen a bit of a shift in which Tyler Conklin has become the third look in the offense. From a passing perspective, with 19 targets across the team's last three games, Osborne going down to just six, he has gone from averaging around 11 points a game to just two. We've seen Conklin go up from 8.6 to 12.1. Pretty interesting for Conklin over his last three games, 19 targets. That's a target share of almost 20%, 13 receptions, which is the same as Thielen, only one less than Justin Jefferson has two touchdowns in those games and 113 yards. So pretty exciting stuff there. Uh, the other thing that I was curious about was if there has been a bit of a shift in the way that Thielen and Jefferson are being used and in their scoring, um, We still see a target share for Jefferson um, that's above 20%, as you would expect. However, he was at a 26% target share through the team's first six games. That has gone down to around 21, with a pickup for Thielen going from 22 uh, to 24, and the other thing that's worth noting is that we've seen a bit of a fall off in their efficiency at scoring fantasy points in the last three games, at least. Jefferson going from 18.6 through the team's first six games down to just 14.6. Thielen also taking a step back from 17.8 to 13.3. Now, Minnesota does face an average passing or strength of schedule for wide receivers in its passing game uh through the rest of the season. So There's been a bit of a drop-off. What made me look into this was I had gotten the sense from reading stuff on Twitter that people had thought that Jefferson might have not lived up to what they wanted this year. I think some of that stems from the fact that he's only had three wide receiver one weeks. However, he was the wide receiver 11, uh, at least heading into this Monday night game. So we'll have to see how things shake out there, could move those rankings just a little bit. Uh, But I still think overall, it's been a positive year for Jefferson. So. Um, this Minnesota offense playing out more or less like we may have thought. And I think that people that uh, managed to get Tyler Conklin are feeling pretty good right now.
3: Yeah. Um I, I don't know of a team that has been more confusing um, <laughs> at kind of the third, the third target, uh, the third target getter than the Vikings um, over the past couple of seasons. But I love I love that highlight there. And uh, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pay a little bit more attention um, to Conklin uh, myself. Um, and dynasty, especially in some of my shallower dynasty leagues, I'm not even sure if he's actually in in some of my shallower, non tight end premium dynasty leagues. I'm not sure he's even rostered everywhere. Um, so I'm making myself a note, um, to go look into that, Dave, um, going back over to AFC, um, another, um, another surprise tight end, um, and maybe the unlikeliest of places, a team that famously rostered. Tim Tebow to compete for <laughs> tight end looks in the off season. Don't look now, Dave, but over the last three weeks, Dan Arnold yep. has 24 targets. Uh, Dan Arnold, man. Um, you know, he's, he's got 17 balls for 195 yards. He's leading all target getters in Jacksonville, uh, all non-running back target getters with 38.5 PPR over the last three weeks he, Dan Arnold, the, the, the premier weapon of the Jaguars passing attack. It's, it's, um, crazy to think. And then the other surprise name here, and I think both these guys have some, some dynasty utility, and they could both be available and redraft as well. Jamal Agnew, um, Jamal Agnew, um, adding some, you know, big splash plays in the rushing game. And I mean, he's easily outpacing LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones and the rest of the receiving core there. Um, you know, he, he has 22 targets over the last three weeks has only caught nine balls for 65 yards and a touchdown, but has added 90 on the ground with the rushing touchdown there. So not very efficient in the passing game quite yet, but he has as many receptions as LaVisca Chennault and and just one fewer than Marvin Jones over that period. Um, when you think about like the consistency of these players too, it's not necessarily just like the spike weeks, especially in the case of Dan Arnold. Four weeks in a row now with five or more targets, including seven or more in three of those four games on the season. He's tight end eleven in targets, tight end eleven in receptions, tight end eleven in receiving yards, um, and tight end eleven in team target percentage. Um, this is you know, this is why every season if you don't go elite tight end, it makes sense to just wait and draft a couple. You know, this is what put us on Dalton Schultz. We have yep. Dalton Schultz all over our portfolio at Team Rotovis this season. Um, now he he's done it a little bit more um, to the upside than Arnold, but Arnold, I mean, easily, you know, a plug and play guy. Um, who wasn't even really drafted? Uh, did, his ADP wasn't really registering a blip, and then he changed teams and you know mid-season. So you know he could have been on his couch just as easily as he could have been leading the Jaguars, uh, and and uh, receiving over you know the second month of the season. So anyway, yeah, those are two players to go kick the tires on and redraft um, for some opportunity-based production, and then in dynasty, you know who knows? Um, who knows? Especially in Titan Premium. Um, Dan Arnold a priority if he's available on your wire.
1: Well, my buddy, Zach Krueger has been talking up Dan Arnold to me for a long time now. So I was fortunate (laughs) enough to have him on a roster too. And it's actually been to the point, Curtis, where I have teams where he's getting in my lineup over wide receivers and deservedly so. So always fun to see some exciting names that we weren't expecting come out. Uh, Glad to make our way through the week 10 action. We will be back later uh this week with our two episodes as always i have received one question already this week that we are going to talk about um uh, perhaps wednesday night because i want to get this question or what will come out uh, wednesday morning i want to get this question answered for that listener anybody else out there you have a compelling question that you want to ask maybe even just a question about your team always makes for a good topic so please float it our way curtis anything to add if not we'll get out of here
3: let's get out of here